Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis just on Facebook, but there is a lot of faking faking happening in the body of Christ. People are making fake profiles, and this is the, a scheme and a plan of the enemy. The enemy does a similar thing as he fake makes fake profiles and fake promises and tries to make you believe something that is against the word of God. He tries to lie to you and tell you that he has your best interest in mind, but do not believe the schemes or the strategies of the enemy. Every one of you keeps saying, why do you teach so much on deliverance? And by the way, I think next Next week, we're going to teach a sermon on deliverance. Again, I'm trying to teach on deliverance once a month and to train people up and equip people. But so many people don't understand that the enemy is a deceiver and he is a faker. He's trying to convince you that drinking is not going to destroy your life. He's like the people that make these fake profiles, trying to convince you they're one way, what well, they're one thing, but they're really another thing. Trying to convince you that compromise is not going to steal your fire. Trying to convince you that that relationship is not going to close your spiritual eyes. By the way, guys, I added a third camera angle on a slider. Let me know if you like it. Let me know if it looks good. I'm trying to do some adjustments still, so bear with me. But the enemy will try to convince you that the relationship won't close your eyes, try to convince you and manipulate you into thinking that the path that leads to destruction is not as bad as you thought. He tries to make you think that his plan and his assignment for your life is not as bad and toxic as you think. But what you have to understand about the enemy is that his native tongue is lying and the enemy is always the Bible says promising freedom but only ends up enslaving people understand that sin will take you farther than you wanted to go it will keep you longer than you wanted to stay and it'll cost more than you want to pay the Bible says that the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life understand that you have to realize that every sin you commit every compromise all the carnality that you're living in that there's going to come a day where you actually have to pay for that sin. There's going to come a day where you get rung up for that sin. And the Bible says the price that you're going to have to pay is eternal separation from God. But I believe that God is raising up a remnant of people that say, I'm not going to live my life listening to the fake profiles, the fake plans, and the fake love that the enemy is trying to give me. I'm tired of the lies. And I believe tonight God is going to unmask some demonic lies and some demonic demonic assignments and I speak over you that every demonic plan every lie that the enemy come on share this every lie that the enemy has been whispering in your ear will be broken in the name of Jesus that when the word is preached the enemy gets exposed when the word is preached the lies get broken the Bible says the word is a shattering hammer and it's going to break the strongholds the plans the strategies and the assignments of the enemy tonight see what you need to understand understand is one of the strategies of demons is actually to enslave you. They are slave masters. You cannot look at the enemy as if he's some distant foe or somebody that doesn't attack the believer and understand that the demons and the devil are slave masters. People sin and their sins are forgiven and they know God has washed them and they know that they are clean, but they live their life under shame and guilt and condemnation. And although they know God has forgiven them and God has washed them, they live their life going right back to that compromise that God once set them free from and they come to altar call after altar call and we as pastors say oh brother all you need to do is pray the prayer and stop doing that but they live their life in secret shame there's some of you watching right now that are bound to pornography there's some of you right now that are bound to prescription drugs there's some of you right now that are bound to lust and different addictions in your mind and confusion and anxiety and fear and you are literally a slave to those things and you read the Bible and you say, I know that I'm supposed to be a slave of Christ. I know that I've been redeemed and I've been washed by the un by the powerful blood of Jesus, but I don't know why there's still something on the inside of me that keeps going back to that relationship. Come on, somebody. Where are y'all at tonight? There's still something on the inside of me that keeps dragging me back into that old addiction and that old dysfunction. There's something on the inside of me that keeps pulling me back to that pornography, to that computer screen 
And although I know God has washed me, cleansed me, and I hate the sin, there's something drawing me back in. The reality is you're forgiven, but you have not been set free. And this is because demonic powers try to enslave the people of God. Remember, demons do the opposite of what God does. And if God sets us free, then demons enslave us. If God delivers us, then demons lock us up. That's why every time you do it, you feel terrible after, but you keep doing it. You go, why, Isaiah? Am I free for a month? And then I go right back into it. It's because you become a slave to what that thing is. You become a slave to that darkness. And the beauty of deliverance is the chains that you're wrapped around get broken off you. The chains that demons used to get you to go back to sin are broken. That You are no longer a slave of sin. Hello, Matt Cruz. Welcome tonight, bro. You are no longer a slave of sin, but you are now a slave of righteousness and God. You are no longer living subject. I'm so grateful. Is there anybody in here tonight that says, I am grateful that I am no longer a slave to unrighteousness. I am grateful that God broke every shackle and God broke every chain. I'm grateful that I don't have to go back to pornography. I'm grateful that I don't have to go back to drinking. Come on, somebody needs to help me up in this chat. I'm grateful that God set me free once and for all. And I believe some of you that have been bound, God is going to break the chains off of you. God is going to break that desire I remember after getting delivered and no longer having an intense desire to drink, no longer having that intense desire to watch pornography, no longer having that intense desire to cuss. And tonight, some of you are going to get the chains broken off of you and you are no longer going to have those intense cravings. I speak over somebody in the chat tonight that you will no longer have the cravings of the lust and the flesh that God right now is seeking out every secret sin and destroying it by the power of God. I believe tonight God is bringing miracle power to you some of you have kids that are need deliverance you have kids that are unsaved you have kids that are out there in the world have you been praying for your kids come on we're coming in agreement tonight that this is the time for the chains to come off of you and your entire family I don't just want to be walking around delivered I want my whole family to be delivered I want all my cousins to be delivered I want all my aunts and uncles to be delivered I want all my friends to be delivered I don't want to be selfish and say, Lord, deliver me, but I'm going to stand in the gap and say, Lord, if you've done it for me, you can do it for them. Stop letting the enemy make fake profiles and convince you he has your interest in mind. Now, many of you know about catfishing. It's a famous show that got real popular for a while, and it's when somebody pretends to be something they're not. Come on, somebody help me. And what you got to understand about the enemy is that the devil has been catfishing people since the book of Genesis. Catfish convinced someone that they're one thing when in reality they are another thing. Catfish will tell you what you want to hear so that you will believe their lies. And what happens, what catfish do is they make you fall in love with a lie and not a real thing. And when the devil catfishes the believer is that you fall in love with the lie that he feeds you. You fall in love with his plan for your life. And so many have bought into the lies that the enemy has told us. When deception comes, it blinds the mind. And here's the thing about catfish. Have you ever seen catfish? Everyone, they're like, oh, how would you not know he's catfishing you? Some of you got catfish before, and some of you know what catfish are because you are a catfish, and you made a fake profile. And that's the problem with the social media generation. You can make everybody think one thing when in reality it's not true. You can make everybody think you have a prayer life. You can make everybody think you are on fire, and you can crop, and you can cut. And some of you have been trying to crop the sin out of your life and you've been doing superficial things and you're letting the enemy catfish you and lie to you and deceive you and in catfish everybody around them knows well they don't want to FaceTime you they don't want to call you they're obviously a catfish and all your friends and family around you can see that the enemy has been deceiving you but the problem is it's not enough that everybody else sees that he's been deceiving you is that you need to open up your mind eyes and see that the enemy has tricked you and blinded you see the Bible says that Satan blinds the mind of unbelievers. Satan blinds the mind, not of non-Christians, but of unbelievers. He wants you to believe that his way is better than God's way and that God is a tyrant and God does not want you to have fun or be blessed. That is why and you have to understand the enemy is so good at lying that he convinced one third of the angels that God was a tyrant and a liar. He's such a good liar. He He convinced the people who saw Jesus here 
Israel who saw Jesus deliver and who saw that Jesus was a genuine prophet and the same people that sang Hosanna and Hosanna just days later would sing crucify him angels think about this who were in the very presence of God chose the devil to lead them over God and if we're not careful we will let the enemy do what he did in heaven and catfish us out of our blessing and will make him us think that he's better than God he convinced the angels that he was better than God he convinced the angels that he had people's best interest in mind see the Bible says in Isaiah that the devil wanted to exalt his throne he wanted to have authority over all the angels he wanted the Bible says to be exalted over the stars and understand the term stars means angels in the Bible oftentimes where it says stars it means messengers and angels and the devil had authority over some angels in heaven but he wanted complete authority over all the angels some say that Michael had authority over one-third Gabriel had authority over one-third and Satan those were the three archangels had authority over one-third and Satan wanted to expand his sphere of influence and authority and he wanted to rule the angels that Michael and Gabriel ruled and so that he would be the ultimate authority in heaven and that's why you got to understand that because the devil can't control the angels and can't control what what he used to do in heaven he wants to control you he wants to make decisions for you he wants to manipulate you the only defense you have against the attacks and the strategies of the enemy is the word of God the only defense you have against the plans of the enemy is prayer the only attack and the offense and the defense you have is praying in the spirit the Bible says that we have mighty weapons to combat the strategies of darkness and you have to understand that your weapons are not carnal but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds and if we don't know the word of God we will live our lives vulnerable to the lies of the enemy here we will live our lives the Bible says even the elect will be confused and be deceived even the most spiritual will be deceived because they don't know the Word of God the Bible says not only did he want to control the angels but the Bible says he wanted to govern the north that this is the place that God rules and that God is supposed to have dominion and the enemy said I want to take the place where God is supposed to control and I want to be in control what did the prophet Isaiah mean when he said the devil wanted to govern the north uh, understand that the north in scripture means the presence of God uh, Psalms 48 talks about the millennial reign of Christ where Christ will reign on the earth from the north uh, so Satan said I want to control what God is supposed to be in control of uh, and the areas that God is supposed to control Satan says I want to come and try to control uh, understand that he wants to control our tongue even though God is supposed to be the one controlling our tongue uh, he wants to control our decisions even though God should be the one that is governing our decisions he wants to control our relationships and our mind even though God is the one that's supposed to be in control the devil is a complete control freak and if you've not and this is why I'm preaching this because you got to understand that if you have not completely given God control over every area of your life you are leaving yourself vulnerable to the enemy coming and trying trying to control and manipulate areas of your life you have to understand this is why Isaiah said the devil tried to be like the most high because the devil is always trying to emulate and trying to imitate and trying to counterfeit what God is doing that is why John Ramirez who came out of Satanism said that they used to speak in demonic tongues because believers speak in real tongues he said they used to get slain in demonic spirits because believers get slain in the Holy Spirit he literally said Isaiah everything that you guys are supposed to be doing in the church we would do it because the devil is trying to be like God he's trying to counterfeit he's trying to imitate and some of you have received an imitation gospel you've received an imitation Jesus you've received a counterfeit Jesus and we sit Sunday morning to Sunday morning worshiping and serving and dancing around a counterfeit Jesus one of the ways the enemy does it is he brings counterfeit worship into our lives he brings counterfeit worship that doesn't cost us anything understand that worship in the Bible has always been associated with sacrifice worship is not light worship is not sound or cameras or screens I think oftentimes when we go to these big worship services and these in these theaters or 
these coliseums or these football arenas and we look at all the lasers and the lights and the cameras we think that is worship friend these lights on my back wall are not worship when you go into a worship service and you're getting hit by laser beams you might get convinced because of all the the show that we put on that that's true worship but understand worship is when you get on the altar and become the sacrifice and I believe there's some people tonight listening that have never worshiped in their life that they've sang every song come on everybody share this right now they've sang every song but they've never actually worshiped that's why Moses said let's go worship over there the first time we see worship in the Bible it was not counterfeit worship like we have today in the church it was biblical worship where Moses said let's go over there and worship it wasn't an event it wasn't a song it wasn't a CD it wasn't karaoke words on a screen it wasn't a prayer and it wasn't even a service it was a man that was desperately what's up Nate bro good seeing you bro I'm glad you're here tonight it was a man that was desperately broken confused and angry and anxious and probably angry but saying God I'm willing to give you whatever you're asking me to give you it was not a cheap sacrifice the fire of God I need to say this clear tonight the fire of God will not fall on cheap sacrifices the fire of God will only fall on sacrifices that will cost us something and I wonder if some of you could even remember the last time that you gave God something that cost you something and God says I want you to lay down something tonight that's going to cost you I'm telling you you have to say God I give you complete control you have to be careful because the Bible says as he was trying to sacrifice Isaac Isaac began to ask his dad dad where is the sheep see what you have to be careful about when it comes to worship is that you don't let the thing that God told you to sacrifice talk you out of sacrificing it when God says give up that relationship when God says give up that music give up that movies oftentimes the thing God says to give up will try to talk you out of it are you sure that God says to give that up are you sure that that thing is wrong are you sure that that relationship is ungodly are you sure you still can't hang around at the party are you sure that you can't still hang around at the club are you sure the Bible says see what the devil does is he gets you to question the Word of God he gets you to question what God says not to do and what God says you can do and he gets you to violate the Word of God and in turn you begin to follow other spirits see when you stop listening to God you start listening to demonic spirits you start listening to demonic powers and whatever voice you obey is the voice you worship and is the voice you follow and God says I'm looking for worshipers that would hear my voice and would respond to my voice as Abraham's about to sacrifice God says Abraham Abraham don't kill the boy for now I know that you truly fear God understand that my response to give Giving God what he's asking for is proof that I have the fear of the Lord he said Abraham I know that you fear me because your sacrifice it proves that you're obedient it proves that you respect me it proves that this isn't a game it proves that outwardly you fear me inwardly see some of you say I honor God and I serve God and I worship God and God says yeah but where is your sacrifice how much let me ask you this tonight how much has your Christianity cost you because there are some of us listening tonight that you you say this has cost me relationships with my family this has cost me job opportunities this has cost me followers on Facebook come on what does it cost you to say I'm laying everything down for the gospel worship is not a song we sing that's praise and praise the Lord for that but God says I'm looking for worshipers in spirit and in truth I'm looking for people that would lay them their life down for the gospel and the call and the plan that I have for their life stop believing the devil's lies of counter counterfeit worship and counterfeit praise remember the devil was the worship or the praise leader of heaven and now that he's on the earth he's trying to give us to get into counterfeit worship and Genesis 22 God says this to Abraham he said Abraham because you've not withheld anything from me therefore I will bless you whatever God cannot have in your life is more important than God himself let me say that again whatever God cannot have in your life has more importance to you than God himself if you want the blessing of God in your life if you want the blessing of God in your marriage if you want the blessing of God to your kids if you want the blessing of God in your careers or in your businesses then there can't be any withholding 
Tonight, somebody needs to say, I'm done withholding from God. I'm not holding my money. If you withhold your money, you love God more than money. If you withhold relationships, you love relationships more than God. If you withhold your social media pages, you love social media more than God. If you withhold your hobbies, then your hobbies are what you love more than God. Whatever it is you withhold is ultimately what you worship. See, we might not worship golden calves right now, but we worship cell phone devices and social media. And whatever you give more affection to, that is what you worship. In other words, if there is something that God is saying, give up, that you're not willing to give up, it could be anything, then that is the thing that you worship. The thing you worship is the thing that you would not be willing to sacrifice. So I want you to think about your life and think about everything good, every blessing, and not just the bad stuff, because how many know when God says, I want you to worship and sacrifice, he didn't say, I want you to worship, I want you to kill the thing you don't like. He said, I want you to take your most prized possession and I want you to sacrifice that. God is not looking for you to sacrifice leftovers. God says, I want you to sacrifice your most prized possession. So look at your hobby, look at your movies, look at your music, look at your job, look at family members, look at relationships, look at the boyfriend, the girlfriend. And if there is anything that you can find right now in your life that if God tonight immediately said, now I know some of you are clicking off because you, you're not ready for this, you can't handle this, but I'm telling you there's some of you that are hungry and desperate for true worship. And if there is anything that if God right now, I won't, I'm not saying he will, but if God says, I want you to get rid of that and you would not be willing to immediately get rid of it, then that is how you identify the thing that you worship. Well, how do I know if I worship my phone? Because if God right now said, I want you to get rid of all your social media, you wouldn't be willing to do it. And that's how you know you worship social media. He said, I don't want you to withhold anything, but I want you to put it on the altar. What is God asking us tonight to put on the altar? See, because the Bible says Abraham turns around and sees a ram in the thicket. What you need to understand is anytime God asks you to give, I wish somebody would take notes here because this is good preaching. Anytime God asks you to give something up, there is something way better waiting for you. God is not asking you to lay something down because God is angry or God is stingy. He says, I always have something better to replace it. Maybe you lost your job because God called you out of it. But God says, I have something better to for you than the job that you had. Maybe he told you to break up with that girl or that guy. Come on, somebody help me preach up in here. And you're saying, God, I can't lay down this relationship. But what you don't understand is that God has something better for you in mind. Maybe God is saying to come out of that ministry or come out of that church or come out of that dysfunction and you say God what are you doing in my life and God says I have something better in mind for you you have to go through the journey and get to the mountain and be obedient and believe that God is going to bring the ram I prophesy over somebody that there is a ram coming that God is getting ready to provide a ram in your finances God is getting ready to provide a ram in your family that God is getting ready to provide a ram in your ministry. You got to understand that you might say, well, God doesn't know what I'm going through and God doesn't understand. Friend, God knows exactly what you're going through when he asks you to give something up because he gave up the thing that he loved the most and it was his only son. And when God sacrificed Jesus, there was no ram in the bushes. Why was there no ram in the bushes when God was getting ready to kill Jesus? Because Jesus was the ram in the thicket. When we were the Isaac that we deserve death, we deserve eternal hell that God made a way through Jesus to be the perfect sacrifice. I need somebody to stop for, for a minute and say, I'm grateful. If it wasn't for Jesus, I don't know where I would be. If it wasn't for the power of God, I don't know where I would be. I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful for the ram in the thicket. I'm so grateful that God made a way when there was no way, that God provided a sacrifice when there was no sacrifice. It was radical obedience that changed history. It was radical worship that changed history. I need somebody tonight to have some radical worship and say, Lord, I will not give you anything that doesn't cost me something. See, he said, I will bless you because of your obedience. Sacrifice gives God an opportunity to provide in places he would have never been able to provide in. And you ought to be grateful that God is asking you to lay something down because God says, I have something better in plan for you. If you're going through trials or confusion right now, God says, I have something better prepared for you. I have something better in mind for you that I'm making a 
way. Come on, I hear the Lord saying right now that I'm making a way where there is no way. I'm making a, a pathway through the wilderness. I'm breaking the attacks. I believe right now anxiety is being broken. I believe the Holy Spirit is saying stress is being broken. I speak to every demonic power, spell, and hex. And I say, you must go in Jesus' name that there is breakthrough tonight in the spiritual realm that God is getting ready to bless somebody. That I want to propose this, that some of you have never truly worshiped in your life. And God is saying, I'm not looking for worshipers for 30 minutes on a Sunday morning, but I'm looking for a people that have a lifestyle of worship. I'm looking for a people that have a lifestyle of sacrifice. You never will outgrow worship. You'll never get to a place where you say, okay, Lord, I've given you enough. I've laid down enough because God says, I'm always looking for something. I'm always asking for more. The fire can only fall on the sacrifice and many times we pray and say, Lord, I want fire. I want power. I want anointing. And God says, I want to send my fire, but where is my fire going to land? Where is my fire going to ignite? The, the firewood of the Holy Ghost is sacrifice. And so maybe the Lord is saying, it's time to give something up. See, some of us trust in God. Too many of us trust in God for what he can do for us and not for who he is. That's why in John 3, the Bible says, because they saw the signs and the wonders they trusted in him. See, the problem with them in John 3 was they trusted in Jesus conditionally and whenever the conditions changed, the, the people would change. That's why some of you are like a yo-yo. You're so up and down in the kingdom of God. One day you're excited, the next day you're not excited. It's because your trust is conditional. See, you have to understand they trusted him because he blessed them. They trusted him because he healed them. They trusted him because their girlfriend trusted him. Trusted him because my family member are in church right now. Trusted him because I'm not sick in my body. Some of you only trust him because the girl or guy you like trust him. Some of you only trust him because you've seen signs and wonders and miracles. There is a because of. See, the Bible says they trusted him because of something. And the Lord is saying, what is your because of? Do you trust me because I'm God or do you trust me because of a certain reason? Do you trust me because I'm the creator of the heavens and earth and I sent my son to die? Or do you only trust me because everything going good for you right now. How many know it's easy to trust God when there's money in the bank? It's easy to trust God when you're healthy in your body. That's why the devil came and said, Job only trusts you because you've given him a bunch of stuff. And if you take all the stuff away, Job won't trust you. And the Lord says, devil, do whatever you want to Job because Job doesn't believe in me because of what I've given him. Job believes in me because of who I am. Understand that this will revolutionize your Christianity and this will make you backslide proof. Wait, what? This will make you backslide proof if you get this one principle that there's no reason why I trust God other than he's God. I don't trust him because I have healthy kids. I don't trust him because I have money in the bank. I don't trust him because I have a following. There's 650 of you watching. I'm not trusting God because of that. If there was only 40 of you or 20 of you, I'd still be preaching the same way. Some of you guys say, well, you only preach that way because there's so many people watching. I've flown across the country and preached to five people for three nights straight before. I've preached before to three people and preached the same way to the three people as I was preaching to the 3,000 people. I'm trusting in God because God has saved me. God has delivered me and God has healed me. And I'm not trusting him because he did something. See, we need to move to a place where we trust God because he's God. I don't need a reason to trust him. I don't need a blessing oh, I felt the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. Y'all are going to make me start running around here with my new little tracking camera. I don't need a reason to praise. I don't need a blessing. I don't need a miracle. I don't need deliverance. I don't need a sign. I don't need confirmation. I don't need gold dust. I don't need to speak in tongues. I walk by faith and not by sight. That means I don't need to see it. Come on, this is a word for somebody tonight. I don't need to see it with my eyes to believe it. I believe the word of God. I don't need another sign. Some of you say, Lord, if you just do this, I'll serve you. That's the same mentality the world has. God, I don't need another thing, even if you don't deliver me from this fire. Come on, somebody help me. Someone said they're running. Come on, let's go. Even if you don't deliver me from this fire, I'm still going to serve you. Even if you don't heal my body, I'm still going to praise you. I could praise from the wheelchair. I know people right now in a wheelchair that have been believing God for years, and they say, you know what? I could still praise you even if I'm in a wheelchair. I could still worship 
worship you even if I'm in uh, the doctor's in a doctor's bed somewhere even if I'm in the ICU I could still no one can take my worship because my worship is not a song my worship is a life of sacrifice I'm living a life of complete laid down sacrifice and so it doesn't matter where I'm at if persecution comes I'm still able to worship because I'm not in this thing for the benefits some of you before you signed up for this you said well what are the benefits and what is God going to do for me and God is saying, I'm not wondering what am I going to do for you? I'm wondering what are you going to do for me? When are you going to lay it down and say, I'm not wavering, I'm not halfway in, but God, it's time for me to give you true worship, radical praise, a radical song. I'm telling you the true worshipers are rising. There's nothing the devil is more afraid of than the true worshipers in the house of God saying, Lord, I'm going to serve you like never before. See, the Bible says in John 3 that Jesus did not trust him, even though they trusted in him because he knew human nature so Jesus said listen even though you trust in me I don't trust you because it's easy to say you trust me until the storms come it's easy until the rubber meets the road until things get harder things get tough he said but I you trust me superficially and I want you to trust me supernaturally see I don't want you to trust me superficially based on circumstances I want you to trust me based on my word and on who I am Stop being superficial and start being supernatural. See, John 3, the Bible says he knew human nature and he knows how back and forth we are. Come on, somebody share this right now. I'm going to go ahead and share it for you right here on my page because some of y'all aren't helping me, okay? He says, I know how back and forth you are. I know how inconsistent you are and I know how untrustworthy you are. And so one day you want God, the next day you don't. So I don't trust you because your trust is superficial. But God is saying, if I could find some people that aren't going to trust me based on what I can do, but trust me based on who I am, then I could anoint you for my power and for my glory and for my kingdom. I got to find some people that have supernatural trust and not superficial trust. So you have to understand that you can't live your life back and forth in different lifestyles of worship, one day trusting, one day not. See, the Bible says no one needed to tell Jesus about mankind. He already knew how they were. Nobody needed to tell him that we're fickle. Nobody needed to tell him that we're inconsistent or we're back and forth. So you, some of you are like, I'm afraid my pastor is going to find out how lukewarm and flaky I am. And God says, what about, who cares about your pastor or your wife or your husband finding out on how lukewarm you are and how cold you are in the spirit? He said, but God already knows. God already knows all about you. I I could remember back in my old life, always worried about somebody finding something out. But you have to understand you have a God that knows everything you do 24 seven. And there is no hiding from the things of God. There is no being being in the in the darkness. The Bible says one day everything you do in the dark is going to be brought to the light. The Bible says that one day God will judge every secret of men. And so it's time for us to come out of the closet and stop being private believers. In John 3, if you keep reading, there is a private leader, the Bible says, is named Nicodemus that comes to Jesus, who's a religious teacher and a religious leader. And this man is like so many of you tonight that knew everything about Jesus, but did not truly know Jesus. Knew every verse and every line but did not know the actual presence of God. See, it's possible that you could know prophecies and know scriptures and know the law and be in church, but not actually know Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm not looking for people that know about me. I'm looking for people that know me. It's one thing to know about something. It's another thing to know something. They had a picture of Jesus, but Jesus of the Bible wasn't the Jesus they made in their own mind. A lot of us have a view or an image of Jesus, but not the right one. I could remember for years, I had a wrong image of Jesus. I thought Jesus was something that you go visit on Sunday morning, once a week for an hour and a half, and then you live the rest of your week void of the supernatural presence of God, void of hearing the voice of God. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody tonight. Void of having encounter, but you, what you need to understand about the Jesus of the Bible is the Jesus of the Bible is interested in encountering you. The Jesus of the Bible is interested in knowing you. 
you. He wants an actual real relationship with you. He wants to know you intimately. This is not a religious Jesus that we are preaching about. And I believe tonight somebody is going to encounter the Jesus of the Bible. I believe tonight somebody is going to have an encounter like they've never had before. I believe somebody's going to be like Job that says, for years I heard about you, but now my eyes actually see you. See, what you need to understand about Nicodemus is he's like so many of you. He had everything going for him on the outside, but if you looked at him, everything looked good. Everything looked fine on the outside. He knew how to put on a religious front. He knew how to smile, but just like Nicodemus, there was a void on the inside of him like there's some of you tonight. There was hurt on the inside of him. Although you've been to church and although you go to service and although you know the Bible, inwardly there is pain on the inside of you tonight. There is an emptiness on the inside of you. Friend, let me tell you tonight that religion and church will never fill the void that only God can fill. That there is only one way to fill the void and that's getting a real relationship with the presence of God. You will never fill the void outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus is looking for a relationship. He's looking to fill your void and you'll never get it full on Netflix you'll never get it full on alcohol you'll never get it full looking to drugs you'll never get it full looking to women that void that you have is only filled I remember the day that God filled my void I remember the day I was washed by the matchless blood of Jesus I remember the day I woke up with purpose and direction and hope in my life and God is saying for some of you I want to wake you up in the morning with a relationship not with a religion I'm not going to service on Sunday because it's what you do on Sunday I'm going there to tap in and hear from Jesus Christ. I'm going there to experience the power and the presence of God. God says, I need some people that want to experience me, not just hear about me. So there was still a void. There's so many of you tonight looking good on the outside nobody knows you're miserable and for years I looked good on the outside for years I didn't understand why when people said I'm praying for you I said why are you praying for me I have everything going on for me on the outside but what people didn't know is that I was miserable on the inside and some of you nobody knows that you're hurting nobody knows that you're depressed nobody knows that you're struggling with addiction nobody knows the thoughts that you have and this was Nicodemus and this was how I was we had it all together on the outside some of you are listening right now and you've backslid and you're out there in the world with your new girlfriend and your new boyfriend and going back to the par the party and going back to the club and going back to the bar but the problem is you've already tasted of the things of God and you'll never feel you'll never feel joy again you'll never feel purpose again you will live the rest of your life searching for something to make you feel alive searching for something to fill the void that's why when when Jesus said Peter are you gonna go back to the world Peter said where would I go you have the words of eternal life here's what Peter was saying he's saying Jesus we've tried everything else and you're the only one that makes us feel alive we've tried drinking and it doesn't make us come on who am I preaching to and it doesn't make us feel alive we tried drugs and it didn't make us feel alive we tried sleeping around and it only temporarily brought pleasure and joy he goes but Jesus when you speak you are the one that is life and when you speak I feel alive on the inside friend I'm telling you some of you are here and let me say Isaiah I don't know why I'm binge watching your preaching I'll tell you why because when the word of God is preached with power and authority it makes you feel alive on the inside from you got to understand Jesus is the only thing that will ever make sense in your life Jesus is the only thing that will make you feel alive he is the way the truth and the life I'm telling you it's all about him it's time for us to get reconnected to him and get disconnected for every every carnal thing that we have on our life but you have to understand that Jesus is here to heal to deliver and save and here's what I love about Nicodemus as he didn't come he came personally he didn't send an assistant now most guys back in those times most rabbis and religious teachers they would have sent an assistant but Nicodemus said no I'm not sending somebody to find out about Jesus or I'm not going to live my faith life through somebody else but I'm going to come to him personally so many of you think you're good tonight because you have a brother that's on fire for God some of you think you're good tonight because you have kids that are on fire for God some of you think that you're good tonight because you have a marriage or a wife or a husband that's on fire and you hide behind somebody else's relationship and somebody else's prayer life but friend I'm telling you tonight you need to get to Jesus personally you need to know him personally you need to get connected personally you need to pray personally listen it's not enough that you just go to prayer meetings once a week Jesus is saying I'm looking for somebody that would have personal prayers and would get in their prayer closet one-on-one -on -one with me personally come on share this I'm looking for some personal 
personal people. I know some of you only go to church because you have to. I know some of you only go to church because it's a religious thing to do. I know some of you live your life through somebody else, but tonight is the night to get personal in the presence of God. It's interesting because Nicodemus, the Bible says, came at night, and like so many of us, he wanted to be undercover. He wants a relationship with Jesus, but doesn't want, okay, I'm preaching here tonight, but doesn't want anybody to know about his relationship with Jesus. He wants a relationship with Jesus, but doesn't want anyone to know that he wants to serve him. Doesn't want anyone to know he's empty, anyone to know he's a believer, anyone to know he's Christian. Some of you at work, you're terrified that anyone would find out that you're a believer at work. You're terrified that anyone at your school would find out you're a believer. And you walk around day in and day out like a secret Christian, never sharing your faith, never opening up your mouth. And God is saying, when are you going to stop being so ashamed about my gospel? When are you going to stop coming to me undercover? When are you going to stop coming to me in the darkness? Some of you have never brought a single person to the Lord because you're an undercover secret agent Christian that never tells anybody about God. But the Lord is saying, it's time to come out of the closet. It's time to stop hiding in darkness. It's time to come out and be public about your faith. Tonight, I'm getting ready to be a public Christian. Stop being ashamed and coming at night. We pray, but the problem is when we pray, it's in the cover of a church. We witness, but we witness in the cover of a church. We do all these things we believe for healing, but only at the altar. We believe for deliverance, but only at the altar. And we hide behind the covering of religion and the covering of a friend of ours. But God is saying it's time to stop hiding and only coming out in the dark. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be, come on, I'm losing my voice. Help me in the chat here. I don't want to be a midnight Christian. He was hurting. And here's what's so interesting at nighttime. And I want to talk to some of you that haven't been saved a while. Some of you that aren't saved, you know, deep down inside more than any of us that it's at nighttime when all the questions begin to haunt you. I can remember times of sitting up in bed at night, looking at the sky and saying, there has to be more to life than just parting and getting a career and living for the American dream. I know that there must be more. I know that there must be more to this life. And all of a sudden it was at night. You begin to fill the void. I don't know what it is, but it's something about the nighttime that you begin to fill the void. It's something about the nighttime where questions begin to rise up on the inside of you. It's something about the nighttime where you begin to question why you're on the earth. You begin to question who you are. It's something about the nighttime that that thing begins to rise up and see Nicodemus was laying there one night and he was thinking about there has to be more to life than religion. There has to be more. Friend, that thing on the inside of you saying there has to be more than just going to church on Sunday. God put that on the inside of you. He's thinking about it. There has to be more than just a career and college and religion and everything I'm trying to do to fill the void. And then he starts thinking about, well, everyone's been talking about this man named Jesus. That one guy said he was blind and now he sees. That one girl was a prostitute and Jesus healed her. That one blind guy named Blind Bartimaeus. I mean, I've seen Blind Bartimaeus uh, beg for years, uh, and I saw him encounter Jesus, and he says he's no longer blind, and maybe he is the Son of God. See, understand that every encounter starts with questions. You need to begin to question the presence and saying, wait a minute, I know God is real. I know God has saved. I know God has delivered. I know people have talked about miracles. Maybe God can do miracles in my marriage. Uh, I know people have talked about deliverance. Maybe God can do deliverance in me, and you start questioning. You start thinking about it and then one day you end up in the presence of God with all your questions I was questioning things for years I was watching all these documentaries questioning what I believed and then one day I stumbled into a church and I realized that all the answers to my questions was in the presence of God it was not in religion. It was not in just going on Sunday morning, but it was in the presence of God. All my questions begin to get answered. It didn't matter how successful I was. I still wrestled. Understand that. And then, and then Nicodemus looks at Jesus and says, teacher, we know that God sent you to teach us. And this is so imperative. You understand because right now the Jesus of the American church is just a simple teacher. We think Jesus just wants to teach us every week, but you have to understand Jesus was 
was not sent to teach you. Jesus was sent to save you. That Jesus actually wants to save you from your compromise. He actually wants to save you from your sin. He doesn't just want to teach you things and we've turned him into a great teacher. And in the American church, we have lost the supernatural power of God. We have lost the conviction of sin. We have lost the crying out in repentance. We have lost all of the things that make us supernatural. The holiness of God has been lost. And now we come on Sunday morning every week and it's teaching, it's teaching, it's teaching. And I think that we don't need any more teaching, but we need some preachers of the word of God that are going to get behind the pulpit and train up the army of God. We need some people that are going to preach the word with power and authority. And it's not just going to be nice teachings every single week. Every week, a new sermon series. Every week, a new teaching, teaching, teaching. And the writer of Hebrews said, you've learned all this stuff, but you still need someone to teach you the basic things of God because you're not learning the supernatural power and the deliverance power of God. Understand that we need more than just teaching. We need deliverance. Religion looks at Jesus as a life teacher and not somebody that wants to empower you on a daily basis. He did not come to the earth just to teach us. He came to heal us, deliver us, and to take our sins. Now, Nicodemus looks at Jesus and said, wow, Jesus, the miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. So even religion knows that, that, that miraculous signs are evidence that we have the presence of God. Uh, understand that the world is looking for evidence in the church and evidence in your life. Uh, they want to know that there is evidence that you are a believer of Jesus. Uh, and the Bible says the miraculous signs and wonders are evidence that God is with us. Uh, they are evidence. We are to give them the proof that they are looking for. Jesus looks back at Nicodemus after Nicodemus says, well, we know the signs and wonders are evidence you've been sent of God. And Jesus says, Nick, here's what you need to understand that unless you are born again you cannot see the kingdom of God he says I tell you the truth I'm not a liar I'm not a hypocrite I'm not into religion or tradition I'm telling you Nicodemus unless you are born again you will not inherit or see the kingdom of God you have to be born again it doesn't matter how hard you try it doesn't matter how many books you read it doesn't matter how many conferences you go to unless you are born again you can cannot see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God can only be seen with spiritual eyes. This is what I preached on last Friday. We have to have eyes to be able to see and do the spiritual realm. You don't have to waste your time. And some of you have been wasting your time arguing with people who aren't born again. Listen to me. Some of you have family and friends that are not born again and they want to argue with you about miracles and they want to argue with you about deliverance and they want to argue with you about our videos and you're like, well, my family doesn't believe. Well, they don't believe because they're not born again. And if you're not born again, you'll never see things spiritually. You'll only see things carnally. And so you have to be born again in the spirit realm to be able to see the things of the spirit doesn't matter how many prayers you prayed if you're not born again you can't see it you can't live in it you can't go to it understand that the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom where there is a king there are servants and there is an army the king is obviously God the servants are us and the army is the angels that are in the unseen realm and the reason why so many Christians and so many believers can't see in the spirit realm is because they prayed a prayer and they were never born again I don't have time to give you all the reasons why the sinner's prayer is unbiblical. I don't have time to give you all the verses where Jesus never said to say the sinner's prayer, but I'll say you this. I'll, I'll say this. A lot of people pray the sinner's prayer, but are never actually born again in the spirit. I can remember, as I shared with some of you last week, going to school, going to the store, everywhere I was going, I was seeing angels and demons because I was born again. Where was I born again into? Not the natural realm. I was born into the spiritual realm. It's not just praying a prayer or going to church on Sunday that makes you be born again. We tell people, oh, just follow these steps or pray a prayer, but they're never actually born again. Now, Nicodemus, because remember, he's carnal. He doesn't understand spiritual principles. That's why some of you need to stop arguing with your family and friends that go to religious churches where there's no supernatural power, there's no supernatural anointing, there's no fire of God. And some of you need to stop going going to them and trying to argue with them about the spiritual realm and trying to argue with them about the things of the spirit. Some of you will never be able to talk with them about it because they're not spiritual. They've never been born again. And they're going to live their life trying to debate you on miracles, debate you on healing. They're not in the same dimension as you. And so stop throwing your pearls to swine and 
wasting your time on arguing with people that have not been born again. Understand that when you have carnal reasoning and carnal logic, everything spiritual, you try to rationalize. And so you say, well, how could a demon come in through a movie? How could a demon come in through your eyeball? How could a demon come in through your ear? How could a miracle, how could God create a brand new kidney? How could God open up deaf ears? Because you're trying to do it rationally and logically because people that are born again, they don't know how to reason with the spiritual things. And they don't know how to reason in the spirit. They only reason in the natural. And so they don't understand that everything has to happen in the spirit before it happens in the natural. And so they live their lives trying to reason out and figure things out in the natural. And they're exhausted all the time and nothing ever changes because they don't realize that this is a supernatural thing. And the kingdom of God goes far beyond your intellect, that God has hidden these things from those that proclaim to be wise, but instead are fools because they are not spiritual. You cannot try to understand a word from God with your mind. When God says, Isaiah, I know you don't know any pastors, any leaders, or have any contacts, but I'm going to use you to preach all over America and some of the biggest churches. If I tried reasoning that I'm an atheist on January 12, 2011, it doesn't make any sense because I didn't understand that God was going before me in the spiritual and God was beginning to make a way where there was no way. When God says you're going to go online and reach millions of people, last year I told our team we're going to reach millions of people through the internet. I said I won't be shocked if we're reaching 100,000, 200,000 people every single week. It makes no sense in the natural. How are you going to do it? You don't have a huge Facebook page. You don't have anything, all the stuff that you need to do to have a big following. But God says I'm going to go before you in the spirit. I believe right now God is moving something around in the spirit realm. That God says it's time to stop being so carnal. You have to understand it's time to stop figuring out the word of God. When God gives you a word, it never makes sense. Thank God that the people in the Bible, when God gave them a word, they did not listen to logic. He said, make a boat when it's never rained. Shout and walls will come down. Have a kid at a hundred years old. Use fishermen and tax collectors instead of Pharisees and Sadducees. Nothing Jesus ever said has made sense in history. But you have to understand that when you get a word from God, your carnal mind will not be able to process it but God says it's time for you to have faith it's time for you to be born again it's time for your eyes to be opened up in the spirit some say I was born this way well this is what's amazing about being born again you don't have to be born again that way some of you might say I was born homosexual but you won't be born again homosexual some of you say I was born a liar but you don't have to be born again a liar some of you say I was born a thief or I was I've, I've had lust ever since I could remember but God says you are going to be born again tonight Oh, come on, somebody help me preach. You are going to be born again tonight, a brand new creature in the spiritual realm that you're going to pass from death until life, that you're going to have ears in the spirit, eyes in the spirit. It's time for us to stop being carnal and be spiritual. Like Nicodemus, we tried to figure it out. Well, how could we, if we're already in our mother's womb, how could we crawl back in? And Jesus goes, Nicodemus, you don't understand that I'm not talking about a super a natural birth. I'm talking about a supernatural birth. And the same way you can't decide where you were born naturally, you can't decide where you are reborn spiritually. Understand that that's why some of your friends don't like you. I remember friends writing me and I would go get lunch with them after I got saved. And I would try to share with them and witness with them. I had several of my best friends say, I don't like you anymore, Isaiah. You're not funny the way that you used to be. You're not the person that I used to know. That's right. I'm not. I've been born again. I am a new creature. Understand why your friends and family persecute you now that you're radical. They persecute you because they loved and they were in love with the old you and not the new you. And the new you is a completely different person. God does not want to change you. God wants to kill you. It's not like, oh, I'm a different person now. I mean, it's not like, oh, I'm changed now. It's that I'm a completely different person. The greatest thing that could ever, ever happen to you is to get born again and to be a brand new creature. Listen, you might be listening to this tonight and say, well, I want to see in the spirit. I want to experience the spirit. I don't want to be natural. How do I be born again? Or have I been born again? If you don't know whether you've been born again or not, you have not been born again. When you are born again, you start a brand new life. See, Jesus said human life produces human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So being born again is a work of the Holy Spirit. And that's why in Romans 1.16 it says, I'm unashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. We have made salvation a natural thing and it is not a natural thing. It is the power of God that saves a man. It's not just, oh, I prayed a prayer and I had a goosebump. It's the power of God that regenerates, that rebirths the man into the spirit realm. Jesus said human life will just produce human life. Carnal preaching produces 
carnal Christians, but spiritual preaching produces spiritual Christians. When we're preaching on the spiritual realm, we produce Christians that live in the spirit. And when they see problems and issues, they understand that these are spiritual issues. They don't try to battle anger in the natural realm. They understand it is a spiritual spiritual issue. They don't try to battle addiction in the natural realm. They understand addiction is a spiritual issue. And so we need some spiritual believers to rise up. We need some born again experiences so that you don't have to live your life in the flesh. See, when you're born of the flesh, the only way to maintain your church or your movement or your ministry is doing fleshly things. But when a move of God is born in the spirit, it's the spirit that chose to start it. It's the spirit that chose to birth it. And it's the spirit that maintains it. We did not choose this. I did not choose the ministry. I didn't get around one day saying, man, I really want to be a preacher. I really want to do this and have a large following and travel. The ministry chose me because I was born of the spirit. It wasn't my plan to see revival. It was the spirit plan. See, but a lot of pastors are using carnal measures to try to keep people and carnal strategies to try to get people in their building because their ministry was born by the flesh and by the carnal man. And so listen, I'm not trying to be rude here. I'm not trying to call nobody out here, but we have to have really nice coffee shops. We have to have gyms in the church and playgrounds and arcades and games and dances and pizza parties. And we have to have all these gadgets and really expensive lights and really expensive screens and really comfortable chairs and a really nice building and the pastor has to be stylish and the pastor has to dress well and all the worship leaders have to be you know good looking for them to be on the worship team it doesn't matter if you're anointed you have to also be good looking or you can't get on our worship teams because everything is intended to feed the carnal man and to encourage the flesh and the carnal man and God is saying I'm looking for some spiritual people that would not be so carnal but would look out things in the spirit realm and would be born again in the spirit realm. The Jesus says, that the wind blows where it wants and you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going and the spirit is like the wind and the wind of God goes where it wants to go. You better hear me tonight because I'm almost done. It does what it wants to do and it moves where it wants to move. You can't tell the wind. Nobody's ever gone outside and said, okay, wind, I want you to blow that way. Okay, wind, I want you to go here. The wind is uncontrollable and nobody's able to harness the power of the wind and the Bible says that the spirit is like the wind and you need to stop trying to tell the spirit. Oh, come on, help me tonight. You need to stop trying to tell the spirit how it's going to move in your life. And you need to stop managing the Holy Spirit and start hosting the Holy Spirit. See, when you're born again, you understand that the spirit is in control. You understand that the power of God is in control. And you're no longer worried about what happens in the natural because you know that the spirit is the one moving. That's why the word spirit and the word wind are synonymous in the Bible. They're the same root word because the spirit moves like the wind. When I talked about demonic spirits and the word wind or the word spirit, I said the same thing. You can't see demons in the natural. You see demons react and people react to them. And then you see, and you know that they are spiritual. So you have to understand everything is going on in the supernatural realm. Everything is going on in the spiritual realm and you must be born again. There's no other entrance into the kingdom. Well, Isaiah, I prayed a prayer. That's not the entrance into be born again. It is a work from God and we are going to ask the Holy Spirit tonight. We are going to ask the presence of God tonight. We are going to ask the Lord for us to be born again. Some of you have not been born again. Some of you are listening right now and you've never seen in the spirit. You've never heard in the spirit. You've never had spiritual senses. You've never been involved in the spiritual realm. And God is saying, it's time to stop coming to me privately. It's time to stop being private Christians. It's time to stop being midnight Christians. It's time to stop being carnal Christians. And it's time to be spiritual Christians. It is time to be born again. You might be a pastor and you're not born again. I'm believing tonight that not only you are going to get born again, but your family is going to get born again. Your kids are going to get born again. Your marriage, come on, is going to have a born again experience. I'm telling you tonight is your night to be born again in the spirit. Tonight is your night for a fresh encounter and a fresh anointing. We need people to preach this once again. We have preached too many carnal sermons and it's time for us to preach the born again power of God. At 
what point did salvation become normal? At what point did salvation become natural? God says, I want you to have a born again experience tonight. I want to release your power. Now, there's some of you that might think I'm crazy. There's some of you that don't understand. You're going, Isaiah, what are you even talking about? This whole spiritual thing? It's because you haven't been born again. And tonight you need to be born again. There's over 600 of you watching. And I know every one of us are not obviously born again. It's time to be born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we ask you right now, God, that you would release a born again experience. Friend, I'm telling you, the only way to be born again is live your life in true worship. And tonight say, God, I'm laying my life on the altar and I'm giving you everything. I'm not praying a prayer. I'm not going to have you repeat after me. Lord, tonight I'm going to get engaged in true worship and I'm going to lay something down that cost me something. This Christianity has a price to it. It's called laying down everything. And tonight the Lord is asking you to lay everything down for the sake of the God. Tonight, the Lord is not asking you to kill Ishmael. He's saying, I want you to kill your Isaac. I want you to lay down your Isaac. You don't need to start coming up with some gimmicky things to preach. We need to get back to preaching to sacrifice. We need to get back to preaching the blood of Jesus. We need to get back to preaching the born again experience. You'll never see the kingdom unless you're born again. And you must be born again. I'm not talking about going to church on Sunday. Some of you might go to church every day. Praise the Lord. I'm talking about being born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we are asking you tonight for born again experiences all throughout the stream, God. We are praying that we would be born by the power of the Spirit, God. We thank you that it is only by your grace and your mercy that we're able to be born again. We thank you that we're done being carnal, natural Christians, but tonight is a night of spiritual rebirth. Tonight is a night of born again experience. Father, we are asking tonight over everyone in the chat, over Zenny, over Marissa, over Ben, over Tracy, over Jose, over Josie, over Vanita, over Jim, we ask you, God, release the power of the Holy Spirit so that we would be born again by the power of God. Father, we pray that we would not have natural eyes, but we're asking you, God, tonight for a born-again experience. Lord, I'm asking you in my life, God, let me be born again. Let me have an encounter like I've never had before by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you that you're going to do what only you can do. As we lay down a sacrifice, the Lord is saying, don't withhold from him tonight. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content and please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.